Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGaw, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.mcgaugh, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. How do you grow as a leader and maintain a positive work-life balance? Seasoned hospital executive Andre Boyd will answer these questions and more. Welcome to your number one podcast station. I am your host, Grant McGall, and this is the Follow the Brand podcast where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Andre Boyd defines his brand through his family and leading with an example of caring for others. According to Boyd, the healthcare business is about people taking care of people most efficiently and effectively. Andre says to grow your community relationships, gather mentors and advocates, and find the hidden gem in yourself in order to shine as a hospital executive. Andre A. Boyd Sr. has been Chief Operating Officer of the Christ Hospital Health Network since January of 2022. In his role, he manages all clinical and non-clinical hospital operations for the enterprise. In addition, he is responsible for the transplant program, construction projects, and ambulatory outpatient centers. Mr. Board has more than 19 years of professional experience in healthcare administration, operations, business development, project management, physician relations, and ambulatory development. Before joining the Christ Hospital Health Network, he worked as Chief Operating Officer of New Hanover Regional Medical Center. New Hanover Regional Medical Center has three hospital campuses and a total of 800 beds. During his tenure at New Hanover Regional Medical Center, he increased volume and operating margin, improved patient satisfaction and employee engagement scores, and led multi-million dollar construction projects. His professional career also includes serving as Chief Executive Officer at Jackson North Medical Center in Miami, Florida, Chief Operating Officer at TriStar Greenview Regional Hospital in Bowling Green, Kentucky, Associate Chief Operating Officer and Ethics and Compliance Officer at Centerpoint Medical Center in Independence, Missouri, and as Business Administrator in Perioperative Services at Holy Cross Hospital in Silver Springs, Maryland. Mr. Boyd earned an undergraduate degree in biology and pre-medicine from Nichols State University in Thibodeau, Louisiana, and a master's in health administration from Tulane School of Public Health in New Orleans, Louisiana. 
Andre is a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives and a member of the National Association of Healthcare Services Executives. Industry Eras Magazine recognized him as one of the 10 best COOs of the year in 2020. The National Association of Health Services Executives, better known as NASI, named Andre the 2019 Senior Healthcare Executive of the Year. In addition, he was named as one of Modern Healthcare's magazine's top up-and-comers in healthcare in 2016, as well as recognized by Becker's Hospital Review in 2012 as one of the 100 hospital and health system CEOs to know, and in 2012, 2013, and 2015 as one of the rising stars, 25 healthcare leaders under 40. Let's welcome Dr. Dre Boy to the Follow Brand Podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is the Follow Brand Podcast. And we're going to take it all the way to hopefully, at the time of this airing, will be the Super Bowl champion Cincinnati Bengals. We already know they're going to be playing. And I'm rooting for them. I want them to, to, to do the impossible. I don't think they've ever won a Super Bowl. And then we've got one of our finest. They brought in a heavy hitter all the way from North Carolina by way of Miami, Florida, Mr. Andre Boyd. He is now sitting in the office. He's running things uh, in Cincinnati at the hospital. He's a COO there. We're going to have a candid conversation about his career, the things that he's leveraging on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis that is moving him forward. And he wants to open the doors for as many people as possible take the same track. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Andre Boyd. Hey, thanks, Brian. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad to participate in your podcast, my friend. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, so the first question I got, you know, and it might be a little personal, but I'm curious about it. But, you know, why did you move to Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, it's that's a great question. Actually, uh, you know, when um, I was looking at other opportunities um, during that time frame, I actually had another opportunity um, in Tennessee. And, um, you know, I would tell you the, the two main reasons for me selecting this opportunity. One is my CEO. Her name is Debbie Hayes. Um, she's a clown with her when we're going through the process, but she's a great salesman. Um, she uh, truly um, shared the vision of the organization and where she wanted to go with the organization. Um, and she also uh, was very um, uh, direct about wanting to make sure I grew as a leader. So that was one big piece of me choosing to decide to come here. And then the second part, you know, again, I don't make, I've been in healthcare for about 20 years now, Grant. I don't make too many decisions without my wife. Um, and so her being comfortable with the, the community and her also being comfortable with my boss. And so her being able to come down and meet Debbie and I get to see Cincinnati and, um, and her feeling like it was a good place for our kids to grow up was a, a deciding factor into choosing uh, this organization. But the last part outside of those two things, this is a great organization. It's a, you know one of the best in the city of Cincinnati, uh, metropolitan area. Uh, we have one of the, we actually have a top 50 heart program here um, and some key service lines through oncology and MSK, musculoskeletal. Um, and and we were, were chosen um, for a pretty consistently as the number one choice for communities here. So. I couldn't, I couldn't beat any place such as this. That is wonderful. And I'm glad you've made that, that choice. And I'm glad your family is happy with it. 
and, and speaking about family, um, you've got some roots down there in Louisiana. Right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's home. It's yeah, home for yeah. me. I was I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. And, uh, you know, I have a, <laughs> a lot of cousins and a lot of aunts and uncles there. Um, you know, so, you know, I, you know, I tell people I got to see two different New Orleans, you know, the inner city part of New Orleans and then some of the areas because of, uh, you know, having a family. I, I tell people about my my, you know, pseudo adopted family of Elkins family. Um, they kind of helped allowed me to see kind of where I can go um, in my career and, and in my life um, as a leader, as well as a um, individual that wanted to just do better in life and, um, and, and, and pick yourself up from some of the, um, some of the environments that I lived in and, you know, and, and, you know, but the big thing for me, I'm a big Saints fan, big LSU Tiger fan, and you will, you see a lot of purple and gold and black and gold in my, in my uh, office and home. So totally get that. Totally understand that love New Orleans. That's one of the cities. I'll never forget when New Orleans came to Miami for the Super Bowl and they won that Super Bowl. And they were playing the, uh, I believe it was the Colts at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody's been to South Beach. You've been to South Beach. You, know? you walk down South Beach, it has its own flavor. It has its uh, ambiance. The Saints came in and changed South Beach into New Orleans. It was Bourbon Street. I've never mm-hmm. seen anything like it in my life in which one culture came and really just for a weekend or so, Changed it into their culture. I'll never forget. It, it was fantastic. I really, and I knew they were going to win that game because the, the energy they brought, you know, to our city at that time was was incredible. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, Saints fans, we we love to travel and we love to party. So that's <laughs> you know, Miami is a good place to do both. <laughs> yes, it is. It, it is all about you know the brand. You know, they they brought their particular brand. You know, uh, to 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 Miami. We have our own particular brand here in, in South Beach. And they went well uh, together. So speaking about brand, I was going to ask you, and I really want to ask you, because you you were here. I met you here when you were at uh, Jackson North. And mm-hmm. uh, we were at a NASI uh, event. And I, I really liked uh, meeting you. And you exuded a, a, a great presence. And then I saw you at the national conference. And you just continued to impress me. So I, my question for you is, how has how is your particular brand helped to propel your career? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, Grant. You know, I, I would say first, you know, my brand is defined by by my why. So again, you know, growing up, you know, I didn't, you know, I wanted to be a doctor one day, and I chose not to be a doctor. And then um, after that, I actually taught at a life uh, at a junior high in my home city of New Orleans for a year. Um, subsequently, did research on NIH, and then an uncle uh, he called me up and he told me about this profession of healthcare. Uh, he's, he was the CEO in, uh, of a hospital in San Antonio, Texas. And, and, he, you know, he said, you can't be good at research. So we got to figure something else out for you. Um, but for me, my why was my family. Um, when I, when I got married to my wife, her name is Deanna. Um, she kind of balanced me a lot. Um, and I, I, I was more focused on really the expectations on what needs one needed to be as a husband, but also that kind of you know, I got morphed in me becoming a better leader uh, because I was more stable and focused. Um, and then when I had my two kids, uh, Andre and, and Avery, uh, you know, I really understood the meaning of truly uh, leading by example 
um, and being there for others and and caring for others and and I and I and I brought some of those I guess emotions and feelings to my profession uh, because ultimately in healthcare this is a this is a business about taking care of people <laughs> you know be it your employees uh, your staff your physicians but also the patients which is the most important um, and so caring is fundamentally the the ultimate way to make sure that you're doing that and executing on caring on a day to day basis is, is your job. Uh, I think the the next thing for me as far as my brand is I, I, I love connecting. Um, I love connecting people to opportunities. Um, again, for me, you know, early on in my career it was about me making sure that I navigated in this profession uh, to be able to get to become a senior leader one day. Uh, but then one, once I became a senior leader, it was about me helping others um, navigate this profession and figuring out, you know, opportunities for them and, you know, what are the things they needed. Uh, to kind of get to where they want to be for for their for their for their own um, professional aspirations, uh, I think the other big part is uh, balance, um, Grant. So I uh, <laughs> I don't take myself too serious. Again, I you know I've been blessed to be a, a executive for a very long time. Um, um, you know, I got my first C-suite role when I was twenty-seven. And, um, you know, been blessed, you know, I've, I've had a great career so far. Um, but again, I know where I came from. And, uh, and, and because of me knowing where I came from, I value the fact that, you know, I'm just a regular person. And, and as a regular person, you still have to take care of others and make sure those individuals know that you're approachable um, and that you're accessible. And so, you know, those are the fundamental things I try and do as my brand any place of any organization I've been a part of, uh, people know that they can approach me and talk to me and we just have regular conversations about their family and also business here and there. But uh, but just I wanted to know I want them to know that they know that I care. Um, and then the last thing about just my brand, I tell people, uh, you, you know, you got to know your business. <laughs> um, so over the years, you know, I've, I've tried to hone my skills, my toolbox, as you would say. Um, I believe in continuous learning and always being um, prepared for the role that you're given. And so I, I try to make sure I'm always prepared, um, always consistent with the knowledge that I have to make sure I'm executing on uh, the strategic uh, direction of the organization I'm a part of. Now, uh, that that is definitely a brand worth following uh, for certain. Now, I want to I want to take you back a little bit. Take me back. You mentioned something that I really liked. You said you got your first C-suite role at 27. Mm -hmm. I'm just imagining that you got out of school, you know, and you're 22, 23, 24 years old, and then you find yourself in a leadership position, you know, a fairly short period of time. Take me through the story of how you got to that level. I mean, you know, over the years from going from college, getting into the profession, Mm -hmm. getting into management and then into the C-suite. What was that journey like? Wow. So we started from college. Okay. So I, you know, I graduated. So I went to Nickel State University in Thibodeau, Louisiana. I actually played college football there, uh, go Colonels. And um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of, a lot of great good friends that played football with me there um, and some good classmates in college, uh, college and actually a couple of college roommates that I still stay in contact with. Um, post again, like I said earlier, I wanted to be a doctor. And so one of my biggest mentors, and I, I call also my father, 
same as Thomas Elkins. And uh, he was head of OBGYN at LSU. And then uh, before he passed away, he was head of pelvic surgery at Johns Hopkins. And so I wanted to be like him. You know, he was the, he was he was the ultimate role model for me. And uh, when he passed away, it was kind of tough. He was my best friend. Um, he taught me again. He taught me how to be a husband. He taught me how to be a father. And so, you know, I, I kind of after I graduated from Nichols in 1999, I uh, took kind of a hiatus for two years, I guess you would call it. I taught uh, junior high at again at a, at a school in Gretna Junior High, actually in Gretna, Louisiana. And then I uh, uh, moved to get closer to my um, mom, Carolyn, and um, in, in Baltimore, Maryland. And I worked for NIH for a year. Again, great experience. Um, used my biology, chemistry uh, major to the fullest. Um, but again, it wasn't something that I was passionate about, per se. And so um, um, my uncle, his name is uh, Jim Elkins. He reached out to me and he, he was, he was, we were talking over the phone. We, he'd try and reach out to me probably every, every three months. He would call me and talk to me about stuff. And he said, you know, again, Dre, you can't be good at research. So we got to figure out what you're good at. Um, and I asked him about his profession and he, and he told me about him being a hospital administrator in, in Texas. And I said, so what does a hospital administrator do? And he was explaining to me some of the nuances of being a hospital administrator and some of his passions about why he chose to become a hospital administrator. And so subsequently I did some research and I and applied to a couple of graduate programs and got accepted to Tulane. And uh, when actually, and when I got to Tulane, I didn't even, I didn't really re- knew, know what I wanted to be at that time. I actually was going to be in the MPH program, and I explained to the counselor that, you know, based on what my uncle did, I thought I would want to be a hospital executive. And so she said, you know, maybe you don't want to be in the MPH program. How about you go into our MHA program? It might give you a better experience for what you want to do. And so I switched to MHA, and again, great experience. I was at Tulane for two years, uh, concurrent with my didactic. I got we got to do a residency program and I did my residency at uh, Tulane University Hospital, um, which is part of HCA. And what I what I tell people all the time, they have like the the superstar team. Um, you know, you're blessed when you get opportunities, when you get to work with a couple of superstars. But I would tell you pretty much their entire executive suite was superstars. And one in particular, their CEO, Jim Montgomery. Oh man, he's a he's a UAB grad, and I learned so much from Jim. Um, the COO at that time was Errol Actamar. He's currently a division president in HCA. Those two guys alone were were just phenomenal. Um, great teachers. Um, 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 they were passionate about developing young leaders, um, and they they pushed you even in a residency program. They they made you you know push yourself to meet expectations for yourself as uh, from a professional development standpoint. So again, fast forward, I, I was uh, going, I was graduating in 2003 um, from Tulane, uh, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do a fellowship. And so I did a fellowship actually at the VA in Washington, DC. And uh, it was an interesting experience, Grant. Um, <laughs> Uh, working for the VA was, uh, since this is public, I would just say it's it was an interesting experience. And so um, I learned a lot. 
about a lot of different things, but I knew that was probably not for me at that time, the place I wanted to be. So was it marketable at the time? And I got a call from a CEO that was a mentor in Chicago, and he told me about this, uh, another fellowship opportunity uh, with Wheaton Franciscan Healthcare. Wheaton, which is now, I believe it's called Ascension, Wisconsin, but Wheaton Franciscan had majority of their hospitals, acute care uh, operations in Southeast Wisconsin. Uh, they had some in Iowa, and then they had their corporate office in Wheaton, Illinois. And so they told me about this, you know, fellowship program with Wheaton and how they're preparing you. And it's kind of a session planning process for people of color. Um, you know, they can be a good opportunity for you. And so apply for the program, got accepted. They rotated us. Um, it was three of us that got into the program and they rotated us to different regions. So I started off in Racine, Wisconsin uh, with CEO Ken Buser, who is still to this day is a, a, a wonderful mentor. Uh, to me, he's retired now. He's a Notre Dame grad. And uh, uh, to this day, he's phenomenal. Him and his wife are great people. Um, and then uh, ended up in Milwaukee for a couple of months and then ended up in Naperville, Illinois at the corporate office. And then I got uh, you know, promoted to manager of business development for the Southeast Wisconsin market. And great experience. Got to learn a lot about business plans, um, elementary development, strategic planning. I got to work um, with the cardiac service line there. Um, and again, I, I got to learn a lot, but, uh, uh, you know, the system CEO, John Oliverio, <laughs> was, he, you know, he was a pretty direct guy and super smart. And he said he really wasn't putting too much resources in non-clinical people in hospitals. And, you know, again, Grant, I want to be a hospital administrator. So I'm like, I don't have an RN degree. I don't have no clinical degree. So I got to figure something out. Um, and so um, I I, I just reached out to a colleague that worked for Trinity Health, and they told me about this uh, uh, administrator opportunity with, with Holy Cross Hospital. They were looking for a business administrator for surgical services. Um, I'd never done it before in my life, <laughs> but I said, hey, let's let's try it. And so um, met with the hiring, um, hiring manager. Her name is Tanda Russell. Uh, uh, Canadian from, um, I forgot what part of, uh, from Canada, but she's from Canada and her and I just connected. And, uh, again, she took a chance on a guy who didn't have clinical, clinical experience, no surgical experience. She just took a chance. And so sometimes it's about somebody just taking a chance on you and believing that you, you have the capabilities to do well and do great eventually. And so once she took that chance, um, uh, I, I didn't let her down. Uh, we did extremely well in the surgical services department. Um, we had, uh, you know, one of the best robotics program in, in the Maryland area. Uh, we were a, you know, a large GYN, GYN oncology, urogynecology practice that, uh, and then Kaiser Permanente did a lot of surgical volume at the facility as well. And so we were doing extremely well. And then, and then, and then Tanda <laughs> decided to take this great opportunity in Dallas. And I was kind of leading the charge for a couple of months until, we got our new leader, um, but that experience gave me the opportunity to really excel and say, I can do this. That, that was my moment. I, I felt as uh -huh. a leader, uh, I, I said, okay, I can really do this profession. And I'm started, starting to believe in my abilities, starting to get that, you know, that swagger, I guess you would say, um, and it started to come. And then I, I got, you know, and then, you know, just like started reaching out to some colleagues and they told me about the HCA CO development program. 
And so, you know, HCACO development program is pretty, pretty competitive to get into. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's not like, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. And but eventually I, I applied for the program and I got in. And uh, my first uh, uh, my first, uh, uh, I guess, uh, stint in HCA was with uh, Center Point Medical Center, which is located in Independence, Missouri, a suburb of Kansas City. And my CEO there was Carolyn Caldwell. Carolyn, oh my God, man, she's you know, uh, I think one of the things you said, who, who, what COOs do you look up to? Carolyn Caldwell, I look up to her. She was, she was no nonsense. Um, she again, she, she's a, she has a big heart. She's very caring, and she loves to develop people. But she, she was no nonsense. She made sure you executed, and she made sure you delivered on what you said you were going to deliver on. And so that balance, again, you know, you know, there was moments where, you know, you, you go to Carolyn's office and you're not meeting what you need to meet. And she has a nice little conversation with you about, hey, buddy, you need to get back on track. And so <laughs> those conversations. But the biggest thing, I never wanted to let Carolyn down. And so um, and so and fast forward, she felt after two years in the program that I was ready and prepared. I got to meet with the division president. Um, and both of them gave, gave me a thumbs up. And then I got promoted to CEO at TriStar Greenview. And again, uh, I was, again, 27, 28 at the time. Um, um, and, uh, and then, it, I'm sorry, I was actually uh, 30 at that time when I was at TriStar Greenview. Um, and then it was a great opportunity for me because um, I got to connect with this guy named Mark Marsh. So, I tell you people's names because it's important for you to know the people that helped me along the journey. Right. Um, and so Mark was the CEO at uh, TriStar Greenview. Mark was, I call it the mayor. So Mark knew everybody in Bowling Green, Kentucky. He was actually an ex-quarterback at Western Kentucky University. And uh, so he, he showed me, connected with me a lot of people. He got me to understand the importance of the community piece of being an executive. Um, and uh, he also was one of the best relationships guys I've ever met before. And so I, I learned a lot about relationships and relationship building from Mark. Um, today, he's, a, he's, he's actually a CEO of Orangeboro. He's still in Kentucky now. But, um, but the guy was profound at relationship building and connecting with others. This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. Fast forward, I got a call um, from a research firm about a CEO job with Jackson Health. 
Um, really wasn't eager or really trying to look anywhere else. I enjoyed being um, with ATA at the time. It was a great, it's a great organization. Um, but, you know, you know, just like everybody that comes in this profession, hopefully um, when you want to be, a, your goal is to be a CEO one day. And so my goal was to be a CEO one day and, you know, got an opportunity to be a CEO one day. And so went through the process, uh, the recruitment process, interviewing process. And again, it was uh, a connection with the system COO. His name is Don Steigman. Um, uh, Don, again, he's he's kind of almost similar to my boss here, Debbie. He's a heck of a salesman. <laughs> um, he was, you know, again, you know, he, Jackson, as you can imagine, is a public institution. So there's some challenges, but there's also some great things that Jackson Health System does for the community. And so we were talking about those, you know, challenges, some opportunities, the great things going on. There was a big capital campaign going on for the organization. Um, at that time, I um, they were able to get a bond for, I believe it was a billion dollars um, to put into the facilities. And so it was a good time. Um, and so he felt that I'll be a good fit. You know, I was coming in also to Jackson North behind a legend, yeah. uh, Sandy, Sandy, Sandy Sears. Sears was the CEO at Jackson North and, you know, coming behind Sandy, that's, that's some big shoes. <laughs> uh, she's a local girl. She's from Miami. She knows everybody. Uh, so, you, you know, you could be a little bit intimidated by that. But uh, again, I prayed about it, Grant, and talked to my wife and, uh, you know, we just made the decision. And so, uh, but again, I was there for a couple of years. We did some great things. Um, had one of my, uh, one of my leaders I always talk about is, you know, one of the things that I talk about is when you go into an organization, you find those hidden gems. And so for me, one of those hidden gems, her name is Andrea Thomas. And, you know, Andrea was at the time, she was director, uh, physician, um, basically business development, physician relations. And uh, I realized she could do more. And so we started giving her more stuff. I started giving her, she became kind of like my right hand person um, outside of my COO. And, uh, you know, and, and then she fast forward, she got an opportunity to be COO uh, with CHS um, afterwards. And so, um, but Jackson was a great, great experience. Uh, again, the community in North Miami-Dade um, was comparable to my community in, in New, inner city New Orleans. So I got to be a part of a community that looked just like me. That was a great part. Um, in addition, we got to do some great things. I used to always tell the team there, um, just because you're a public hospital doesn't mean you have to presume that you got to do things in an inefficient manner. A public hospital doesn't mean you need to be inefficient. It just means you take care of a lot more people that have, you know, that may not have a peer source, but those individuals deserve the same amount of, of care and appropriate care and, and service that you would provide to somebody who didn't have a peer source. Um, and so, uh, you know, my, my philosophy was, you do the best all the time, and eventually you're going to reap the benefits from the, the best all the time. And so we started to make a name for ourselves. Our ED started to turn around there. Our patient satisfaction scores started to turn around there. Um, and people really started to hear about Jackson North, which was, you know, a, you know fun, good, and, and great. And then, you know, before I came here to Cincinnati, um, um, I got a call from a, a, a recruiter who's also a friend. And he told me about this opportunity at uh, New Hanover Regional Medical Center. New Hanover, a nice size organization. 
It's a regional referral center um, in Wilmington, North Carolina. And, you know, it was going through a succession plan. The CEO became CEO. Um, and then they were recruiting me for the opportunity um, to be CEO there. And so was there for five years. Oh, my friend, we had, I had a great experience there. They are truly, a, it's a family oriented community. Uh, you know, the physicians are pretty engaging there. It was actually, they, they love to do things outside of work, um, which was new for me. Cause again, um, you know, balance my family and time with work was kind of the two things that was important to me. But there you had to, you know, do a lot more community functions and community events. It was just just the expectation um, in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, but we did some great things, built a new tower, um, um, a couple of key service lines grew over the years. Uh, we got to recruit some, um, some phenomenal physicians there. Um, and then, um, again, I got a call about this opportunity here uh, in Cincinnati at the Christ Hospital Health Network. And again, the rest is history. Again, uh, met with Debbie. Um, you know, she, uh, she pretty persuasive uh, executive, uh, told me about the great things we could do here, told me about the great things they're working on um, and all the great work that the team has done. I mean, it kept it, it became about the team and not then it wasn't about her. It was about the team and what the team could uh, do by adding me as a part of it. And so well, I tell you, Andre, you have recapped a lot. You've unpacked a lot. And I appreciate it because you have to understand the journey. And as you look back over you know, your journey of you know just about 20 years and where you've come from and that that point of uncertainty trying to find out, you know, your profession and is this right for me? And then find those people that believed in you when you may not have totally believed in yourself and brought you forward. You said, no, you, you can do this. And then you started to get your sea legs, right? <laughs> you started to get your sea legs. Right. And then you, you really started to uh, prepare yourself. So I got a question. This comes really from my audience. They asked me this uh, a lot is that now you've, now you, as you, you've got this body of work, right? You've got this body of work. And you've been in several roles. You understand a lot of the levers of, of healthcare and a lot of the things that are um, important. How do you establish yourself as an expert in this field? Wow, that's a that's a great question. I, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, again, I don't know if I would say I'm an expert. <laughs> I, I know a lot about a lot of things. Um, so, uh, I think I've been blessed to, um, understand, I'm gonna say it differently. It's not about becoming an expert. It's about doing things the right way and being effective in your role. And so you can be the smartest person and you can know everything about heart care. You can know everything about oncology. You can know everything about surgery. You can know everything about primary care, but you may not be effective in your job. And so for me, it's, you know, it's a balance of understanding and understanding the nuances and the, the key expertise for your job, but also understanding how as a leader, because we're leaders, we're not, uh, we're not a doc, we're not a, a respiratory therapist, we're not a nurse, we're not bedside care, we're, we're actually looking at holistically the enterprise or the organization you're part of, and making sure that we're one living out the mission of the organization, but then two, executing on a strategic planning 
of the organization to make sure we're, we're still viable as a as an organization. And so for me, I look at it as um, I don't know if I would say I, I'm an expert at whatever a presumption that people want to be expert at. I, I just I know a lot about a lot of different things and I've been able to to execute and I've been able to deliver. I have this saying I like to win. So people hear that a lot about me. I love I've never not won at many things. Um, outside of my first year in college at Nichols, we had a bad season. We had we went 0-11, Grant. I'm sorry. That was my first nine. You know, again, it is what it is. But in healthcare, uh, I've never uh, not won at something, I, uh, you know, I, I push myself to do. Um, the other thing is I would tell you, in this profession, it's more about the connection to people. Um, um, I tell people this. Your expertise, your knowledge, your skills, your abilities, it, it allows you to keep your job. It allows you to keep being, stay in your job and do well and life is going to be okay. But your relationships, that would accelerate you in your profession. That would get you the next job. And so if people don't know you, if people don't believe in you, if you don't inspire others, if you don't captivate others with your, your abilities to connect, you're probably not going to be successful in this profession. Um, um, again, again, I know a lot of smart people. Um, I know a lot of intelligent expertise individuals, as you would say. Um, but again, what tells you what, why you got some people that may not be a superstar from a knowledge perspective or a skill set perspective, but they're still continuously accelerating in their career is because they, they know how to connect with others. And they know how to build those relationships that align align them to the next role for their career to continue to continue to advance. I tell you, Andre, this has been um, a good discussion. You're giving me some insight. You're giving the audience some insights. Uh, and you know, we're getting to the end of our uh, end of our uh, definitely our episode here. But I always unplug because I want you to talk to specifically our audience. And think about this. Talk to that person that way as if it were you, as you began your career and you started in. There's one thing about getting book knowledge about being a hospital administrator. And there's another thing actually doing the work. As you stated earlier, you had to get that confidence, that level. Speak to the audience of healthcare professionals that are seeking to be good in that, in, in this career path, what would you want to say to them? Yeah, a uh, couple of things, my friend. Um, I would tell you, you have to be passionate about what you do. I mean, it's, you know, no different than you playing sports. Uh, it's no different than you taking care of your family. Once you get into healthcare administration, you have to be passionate about it. Again, uh, I know individuals that came in this profession it wasn't for them <laughs> and they're not in it anymore uh, because, you know, again, it's it wasn't for them. And, you know, they chose to do something totally different. Uh, no people that actually started out in the clinical um, realm. They, we found out that they are great leaders. They got into the profession as leaders and some of them are CEOs now that started as, as you know, nursing or, or respiratory therapy or rad tech, et cetera, uh, because eventually you start learning about, healthcare administration as a passion. The the other thing I would tell you, you need to figure out how to find mentors and sponsors in this profession. 
Um, again, they tell you the definition of mentor is a person that gives you advice and counsel, counsel when you need it. A sponsor is somebody internal that fights for you, um, especially as a young leader. Again, I told you I accelerated in my career. Part of that is because of the, the, the sponsorship that Carolyn had for me, um, sponsorship that Mark Marsh had for me. All those individuals, they, they sponsored me. They, they identified key projects that you know were higher level projects that I can get exposure on um, and be involved in to kind of continue to build my, again, toolbox, but also have people know who Dre was um, as a leader and, um, and, and, and if he's capable of being, being an, another, another step in his, in his professional career. Um, the other thing I would tell you in this, in, in this profession, you must have emotional fortitude <laughs> so some people get in this profession and, uh, you know, I'm going to just geared it towards people of color. Sometimes you, you get you can get jaded sometimes because, again, there's not a lot of people that look like you, Grant and I, um, that are in a lot of C-suite positions, per se. Um, and, you know, and, and then you don't have an opportunity to have a lot of, um, you know, mentors that may not look like you as, as often as you want. And, you know, you can come, you can become, you know, and then your career is not progressing the way you want it to be. And so you get jaded. Um, I tell people is just pause for a moment and really go back and look at your career plan. So in the Tulane, they tell you to do a 10 year, you know, when I was there, they told us to do a 10 year career plan. You look at your career plan and in your career plan, what steps did you take to get to that level? It's not just about what you did on paper. It's about how do you maneuvered to get to those steps. And so I would tell people there's going to be moments where you're going to think things are not right. There are going to be moments where you felt like you've been passed up. There are going to be moments where you felt like people are, people may not think you're the best, you're the brightest. Um, there will be moments where people may think, you know, well, we don't need that individual. You gotta, you gotta know your own self and you have to be believing you. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to believe in you. And it seems simplistic, but it's but it's probably correct, uh, because in this profession, the people that I've seen done that done, you know, been successful, they've done that. They believe, you know, you, you talk about the Carolyn's you talk about. I mean, I, I love Eugene Woods. I think he's one of the the I mean, I mean, top tier executives, right? Lassiter top tier executives, those guys believed in their abilities before they even got in the profession. I remember, give you a side note, I remember meeting Eugene um, when I was in DC at the VA because he was at Washington Hospital Center. And when I mean, he was, he was, he already had that executive disposition that as a young leader, you will, you wanted to emulate. Um, he already had it. And so, um, you know, seeing that already in him and, you know, where he is now being the CEO of Atrium Health, it was just amazing to, you know, just sit back and see some of these professionals that you got to grow up on and, and they're your role models. You know, again, I tell young people, I don't get excited about, you know, you know, uh, sports athletes per se, like I used to when I was a kid. I get excited about um, those superstar healthcare administrators that came in pioneers before us, like the Percy Allens and the Kevin Loftons and Bernard. I get excited. I used to read so much about them, Grant, and just to be in, you know, one, being their company at conferences and, and then getting to know them and being able to text them and ask them for advice. 
those are things that were like exciting for me. And so I share that to say, I think all young up-and-comers or either more established executives or more established directors or mid-level leaders, if you take the time to continue to build your network, continue to reach out to people that, and there's a lot of people that want to help you, I promise you. There's a lot of people, I, you know, if you want to reach out to me, I will take your call. I will read, you know, if you want to have a conversation and, and you know, you need some advice, I will take your call. Um, I try not to not help people as much as possible. Um, the biggest thing is going back is the emotional fortitude. Don't ever get jaded about this profession because you're not moving at the pace that you want to move. Eventually it's going to happen. If you put the, your sweat equity in it, if you build the right relationships and you believe that you're going to be that next leader, I think it's going to happen. And then the last thing, Grant, I would say, you have to balance in this profession. It's probably later in my career. Didn't do a good job early in my career, but you have to balance your career with your family. You got to know what's important to you. Going back to my why, you know, again, I work a lot of long hours, just like everybody else. Um, but again, it was a conversation between my wife and I, and I said, Hey, honey, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do for the family. Are you comfortable with this? And she says she's fine. And so, um, once you set expectations with your significant other and, and your kids, and you, you, but you also know that you have to be there for them because life is short. I'm, uh, you know, I'm 45 now and, you know, you know, my kids have grown so fast in a short period of time and I'm not, you know, and I'm trying to be there as much as I can, um, uh, for the, for the little things as well as the big things. And so I say balance is important. Well, I tell you, Andre, balance is extremely important, work-life balance. And I think we've all learned that now through this uh, COVID time period where a lot of that merged, right? So you have this hybrid experience. And a lot of things you just talked about here, I see a commercial for NASI. <laughs> if people are not familiar with NASI, the National Association of Health Services, exactly, specifically for African-Americans to get network, to to have mentors, to be you know, advocated for, to have a sponsorship. I remember seeing you, I think it was in DC when you got the award for the um, executive of the year mm-hmm. and you know, having that kind of visibility and that type of thing, I think it's wonderful. I think that's where a lot of young leaders can find um, solace in what they're trying to accomplish and get their true story on things and not how they think some of these things are perceived. I agree. So if people wanted to get in contact with you, Andre, what's the best way? Is it through LinkedIn? Is it an email? What's yeah, man, I think for me, LinkedIn would be great. I try and reply as best I can um, when I get a chance. LinkedIn, um, my email address is on ACAT website as well. So you can reach out to me there if you need to. Um, you know, Grant, I'll tell you, I try and mentor as many young students as possible um, throughout the year. Some of my, my expectation for myself is at least to mentor 50 students a a year to 100. That's just kind of the thing I set for myself. I mean, and that may be just a phone call, a quick text. Hey, how you doing? Um, I I had two fellows at uh, New Hanover, uh, Chantel and Alexi, great young young leaders. Um, You know, we created that program at New Hanover to bring um, individuals of color within the organization to kind of hope help uh, increase their capabilities and, and also in, in, infuse the organization with talented young leaders of color. 
So hopefully those guys do are doing well and continuously growing in in that system. And uh, but I keep an eye out for them uh, to make sure that you know they're doing the right things all the time. The other thing is I'll tell you again. Um, don't ever be shy. I, I, I want to give you a little bit of when I started this profession. So shy doesn't, you know, my mom used to always say, uh, a closed mouth don't get fed. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, um, you know, and when, you know, in this profession, I used to have this competition with my really good friend. Um, um, I used to always at every conference, I would try and get a hundred cards, business cards, and, and, and I would follow up with a hundred people every time I left that conference, just to reach out to them. Some replied, some didn't, some didn't care who cares, but ultimately I kept that consistency every year. I kept, you know, uh, you know, again, you cold call people or you reach out or you cold email people. And the first thing is not to get a job. That's what I tell young people. Don't ask for it. Don't, if I don't know you, don't ask me for a job. Cause I don't really know you. Ask me how can I how can can I have an opportunity to talk to you? Um, to, can you give me some advice on how you navigated your career? Can you give me some advice on some avenues and what I should do on career planning, et cetera? Those are the ways you get your foot in the door to connect with people. Uh, sometimes some young people will probably just reach out and ask for a job, and I don't even know you. Um, and I think that's the same dynamics as some other executive. I can't give you a job if I really don't know your skill set. I don't even know who you are. Um, so I would tell young people, build a relationship first. And yes. then over time, you won't even have to ask for the job if people find out that you're really good. Because uh, most jobs, I would tell you, um, if an executive finds out and they're mentoring somebody and they know that individual is really good and a young up-and-comer, they're going to find an opportunity for you. Man, well said. Well said. Sage advice. Love having you on the show, Andre. This has been been wonderful. And I thank you for taking the time to join us on Follow the Brand. You can look at, or I should say, you can tune in to all the episodes of Follow the Brand at www.5starbdm. That is B for brand, D for development, and for masters.com. Thank you very much and have a great day. Uh, take care, Grant. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye.